We don't know what's coming. No one knows. Not the angels, not the prophets, not even Jesus himself. It's a stark gospel passage today. We likely won't be out in the fields or grinding meal when one person is taken away and one remains. But our stability, our health, the life we planned, these can be disturbed, shaken, plucked up, seemingly at random, often without warning, striking one person and not the next. We just don't know. Our plans can be blotted out by a diagnosis or fire, by the whim of the market and subsequent layoffs, by an oil slick on the road, or by someone who should never have had a gun, or by an illness in a tiny baby that the doctor can't detect. That was the case for our son, Fritz, who died when he was 40 days old, essentially of a UTI. The life I had planned and fully expected was turned upside down. Fritz was born on this, the first Sunday of Advent. He would have been six years old today. We do not know the day or the hour. Given how we long to control our lives, I admit that this is not a popular notion. Naming this uncertainty seems to be miles away from the more popular and commercial ways of getting ready for Christmas. The huge sales that have been running for days now. The, the cute reindeer tchotchkes and, and bows with sparkles and Santa hats that have begun popping up in all corners. All the feel-good stuff. Things that can seem like they might keep us warm against these cold, rainy days and long nights. But this warm, fuzzy side of the season is not where Jesus is directing us to get ready. It's not where he's leading us to prepare for the arrival of God. Instead, he's bringing our attention towards the fearful parts, towards the precarious nature of life, and the great mystery of it. Part of how we are to prepare for the inbreaking of God is by recognizing the absolute uncertainty of life. To be clear, I don't believe that these life-altering events are God's plan or God's will. They are not designed by God to make us better or more faithful people. They're sometimes 
presented as such in Christian tradition. But I think this usually has more to do with our attempt to make sense of painful and confusing situations and very little to do with what God actually desires. But these things do happen to all of us. These unexpected turns in life, these times when the ground we were just standing on seems to have suddenly vanished. These times demand that we be totally present. Jesus calls us to prepare for what will be by opening our eyes here, where we are today. Not where we thought we'd be or where we wish we were, but here, now. Right here and right now is all we've got. There isn't much by way of guarantees in this passage from Matthew. Imagine this is how the followers of Jesus must have felt, and and even more so those who were in the community of Matthew. This gospel was likely written around the year 80. The temple had been destroyed. The, The symbol of absolute majesty lying in rubble. These followers had been told that Jesus would be returning, and soon, and they've been waiting for generations now, preparing for the second coming. It looks a little different when you think it's going to happen in a few days or maybe a few weeks, and yet here they are, waiting, wondering. There are no guarantees on when or how this will happen or what it will look like to have God enter into our world. And for our part, we do not receive clear or steadfast guarantees any more than they did. I would guess that most of us are probably not expecting the second coming this week or this year as those early Christians hoped for. And more than that, the reality is that you and I are not guaranteed health or success or even a lot of time. It is a harsh truth to face. And still, threaded through this strange and unnerving text, there is a promise. The assurance that God will surprise us in these most unlikely times, showing up in unimaginable ways, maybe even like a thief in the night. That's the good news, the the promise that come what may, God will be present. And this is precisely how Jesus calls us to prepare for God's arrival, by being present ourselves. There are 
many ways to do this, many ways to ground ourselves in what is actually unfolding around us. One of the ways that I have found to be most effective in warding off the temptation to either wish things were different or, or numb myself to how they are is by striving to give thanks, by waking up and looking around at what is now and trying to exercise gratitude. Exercise it daily like a muscle. Gratitude in its unvarnished sincerity, it demands that we be present because it doesn't depend on a saccharine insistence that things are perfect or even ideal. Instead, gratitude searches out and finds good, which is to say God's presence even in times of pain or fear or confusion. I believe this to be true. And I forget this far too easily. So I wrote it on my arm permanently. In my grief after our son's death, I was so tempted to wish that things were different than they were. I mean, of course I did. My world had become suddenly very bleak. As we planned Fritz's funeral, I was struck by the words of an ancient chant, words we speak or sing at most all Episcopal funeral services. Together we sang that day, we, we vowed almost that even at the grave, we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. This was the practice, I realized. The gratitude did not, it, it could not eclipse my grief. But the gratitude could exist within the grief and alongside it. Even there, in the darkness, even at the grave, I could reach to see what was still good. I could look for where God might be surprising me by showing up, and I, I could say Alleluia. That is, thanks and praise. Worried that I might forget this truth, I, I tattooed it right on my forearm a calligraphied circle of alleluias, the, the end of each one beginning the next, reminding me to give myself over to the practice again and again to give thanks without end. And the more I have entered into this way, this resolve to remember gratitude, the more I recognized how it forced me to look up, to look around, to search, to keep watch. It is difficult to be grateful and yet divorced from your surroundings. The very practice of gratitude demands that we be present right where we are. It 
It's a dark mystery we enter into with Advent, facing an uncertain world with eyes wide open. The unsettling word of hope from Matthew's gospel doesn't fit neatly into a Hallmark card, but then so often our lives don't fit the the supposed rosiness and cheer of the holiday season either. So here's what I trust to be true. We do not know what time we have, but we have right now. And together, we can trust that God is in our midst, continually arriving on the scene, even when life brings us to our knees. We prepare to greet this truth by being present, by giving thanks that through it all, when nothing is guaranteed, the promise remains that God is with us, here and now.